Welcome to the first episode of the Criss Cross Business Podcast, if that's even the name. I still haven't decided, but I'm so glad. What we're what I'm trying to do is to start this podcast, Flash Video Series, to try and help people who are moving house to get the best information possible, whether it's within Northern Ireland or I don't know if it's a lot of the stuff doesn't apply to the UK, does it, Phil? Uh, some does, some doesn't. Some does, some doesn't. Well, uh, my first guest today is convincing solicitor from Armstrong Solicitors, owner and operator, Philip Armstrong. Thank you very much for coming on today, Philip. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Happy days. So uh, tell us a bit about how the market's going. I know we're approaching the stamp duty holiday and then, so tell us in your own words what the market is like, you know, at, at the current time, you know, end of January, start of February. Okay. Um, how long do we have? <laughs> end of January, start of February is a very interesting time usually in a normal year if we can re- remember what they actually are like um, it would be actually a fairly quiet time and we would sort of be putting preparations in place hopefully for sort of the market to come back in the spring after having been quiet over the winter yep. obviously this year and the end of last year is nothing like that um, we're sort of in the eye of the storm at the minute obviously middle of last year the chancellor of the exchequer announced the stamp duty holiday mm-hmm. and long story short at the moment, uh, at the time that we're talking anyway, Chris, um, the stamp duty holiday is coming to an end on the 31st of March. Yes. Essentially, because of the various bottlenecks in the, in the house moving process, which I'm sure we're going to, to touch on, um, unless the case has actually been instructed um, pretty much well by the start of January, it is probably unlikely that it will go through and complete before the end of the stamp duty holiday, which potentially means that there's going to be a stamp duty charge payable on a lot of cases where perhaps the expectations of the clients would be that those charges were not going to apply. Yeah. So so that's going to affect obviously people, you know, because everybody has really been rushing to sell their house. Um, I noticed a massive boom sort of September or October time, right up through until December. I don't know everybody's sort of pushing to get it for the end of that holiday, but now it's fast approaching. So uh, do you know how many people roughly are going to be sort of affected by this? Or is, is, it, is it not something that you can sort of touch on right now? From a Northern Ireland perspective, I have no figures. I did read somewhere recently that they're talking about potentially 100,000 home movers across the UK who probably had the expectation or were hoping to move before the stamp duty holiday um, comes to an end and now won't be able to. And I say that there are so many reasons for that. Um, It does just put everyone under a huge amount of pressure. Um, And as I say, unfortunately, because of the lockdown as well, on top of that, Our initial thoughts had been when this first came out, we thought December and January were going to be insane for new cases. What has actually happened is that because most of the national papers in England, apparently the convincing process is even slower than it is in Northern Ireland, hard to believe. Um, But what it does mean or did mean is that the national papers were actually starting to raised this issue around about September, October time. So we actually started to get our big run of new instructions, um, sort of October, November, which means that we probably are in time to get those cases through before the 31st of March. Um, It's for the cases which are sort of being instructed now. Now, We do have have some cash purchases um, where there's no mortgages involved. 
and the title deeds are in and we're ready to go and they will complete we'll turn those around quickly but in most cases where there's a mortgage involved you're talking maybe 12 to 16 weeks for various reasons which i'm sure we'll talk about and that means that we simply don't have the time yeah because that process is normally like six to eight weeks and now it's like 12 to 16 and like i understand because we're obviously dealing with people day in day out and people are saying we've got this deal proposed and then it's been pushed back it's been pushed back and then obviously yeah. panicking about the stamp duty holiday. So is there anything that people can do to move that process along any quicker in terms of just from, from you know, seal to completion? Or is it just, is it just there's nothing, is it just out of okay, there? Okay, yeah, there are a couple of things. Um, just to um, take you up on one point there, uh, I think it has been many years since solicitors would have said that it's a six to eight week turnaround time on a conveyancing yeah. case. Okay, okay. Um, I think we would normally have been sort of saying at best 10 to 12 weeks, but mm-hmm. now um, you would say 12, maybe to 16, based on things that we will no doubt talk about. In terms of how to speed the case up, if we just take the, if we just take the stamp duty thing um, out of the way for a second, the, the quickest way to actually speed the case up is for the vendor, the seller, to make sure that the solicitor is instructed, not at the point that the property goes sale agreed, but at the point that the property actually goes on the market. Because if the solicitor, if the vendor solicitor or the seller solicitor is instructed at that point, then they can be having the conversation with the solicitor about where the title deeds are. In Northern Ireland, we still have to actually get the physical title deeds, which are normally with the seller's lender. Right. Um, At the moment, and again, at the moment, because of lockdown and various things throughout COVID, um, the actual deeds stores and all of the lending institutions, especially in GB, but also in Northern Ireland as well, simply there are not physically people in there to lift the deeds out and to actually physically send them across to the solicitors. Therefore, you have a massive delay even before we get the case up and running. So if that period of trying to get the deeds starts as the property is still on the market, as opposed to actually starting when the property goes sale agreed, then potentially you can save three, four, five weeks just at that very point. So on that point, actually about three years ago, I think it was now, um, the Law Society of Northern Ireland and RICS, the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors and NAEA, National Association of Estate Agents, right. signed a memorandum of understanding. Yeah. Which was which was basically, I think I have one behind me here, but I'm sure it wouldn't look good for the video if I just tried to scrabble around. <laughs> but it was basically a booklet that was put together um, to try to make the process uh, more transparent for the various stakeholders. But one of the very first things which actually says in that is that the estate agent is encouraged. In fact, it says that the estate agent will try to get the solicitor instructed when the property goes on the market, as opposed to when the property goes sale agreed. Now, I must say the vast majority of our experience is that that is not being done. Okay. I will say for the sake of fairness that I do have colleagues in other areas uh-huh. um, further away from, from Belfast, actually, um, where there is a really good relationship between estate agents and uh, solicitors in, the, in a particular regional town. And that has worked quite well. And they have seen somewhat shorter completion times. Right. But it, it just seems... Right. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's frustrating that when we are trying as much as possible to get the process shortened, um, you know, this is a really easy way to maybe lose three or four weeks off the front bit of the process. And as I say, in most cases, the take up of that hasn't been particularly wonderful. Right. Okay. So you can, you can actually start that process when people go straight on to the, the market rather than yeah. being seal agreed. And what, what, what part uh, is it the property certificates and things like that are going to get looked for? Or what, what exactly can you start doing at that, at that stage? To be able to apply for property certificates and searches in the most part, uh, and certainly to do some of the other, uh, to fill in some of the other documentation that you need, essentially you need to have the physical title deeds um, yes. in your presence. And as I say, in GB, it is slightly different because essentially the title is held in land registry. Right. And if you download parts of that, then that essentially doubles as the main title. Um, in Northern Ireland, it is different. Uh, in Northern Ireland, we still want to see the physical deeds. Yes, land registry will be able to provide copies, but yes, we still but actually need the physical happen. deeds. Okay, okay. Um, the physical deeds will have the title maps. The title maps are what you need to apply for property certificates and some searches and to answer questions about boundaries and things like that. So as I say, there isn't really a very easy way around doing that. Right. Because, I mean, a lot of our customers, I've got to say, you know, that we're kind of getting to that one to two week stage out. And they're saying, you know, because we're trying to book them in for dates and they're trying to get dates organized. And they're, they're saying, uh, you know, we're waiting on things such as the property certificates and sometimes they're not getting them. I mean, most of the time it's a week or two out. Uh, but not again, it happens like three days before. And they're, they're, going, they're going down to sign for their property and they're going, we can't even guarantee this date until we've actually signed on the dotted line. So do you know what actually holds up the process to that far? You know, to three, I know it's a, it's a rare case, but I've, I've seen it happen a few times. It, well, it, it may or may not be a rare case. To be fair, there's a number of things going on there. Um, there, are, there are two kinds of property certificates, essentially. There are the regional property certificate and there are the local council property certificate. Um, the local council property certificates we're finding are actually turned around quite quickly. Right. And in fact, in a couple of instances recently, um, one of the councils has turned them around within 48 hours. So they are really on the ball and they're really quick. Yeah. Um, the delays that we have encountered would be with the regional property certificates. Um, now they are, that used to be called the DOE, the Department of Environment Property Certificate years back. But essentially that is the sort of the catch-all that deals with roads, water, planning, sewage, tree preservation orders. Um, planning applications, neighbor notifications, um, quite a lot of sort of really important stuff. But mm -hmm. the, way that, the way that that certificate is, um, is populated by the various departments, it is sort of sent around a lot of houses um, or, or a lot of departments to be filled in. And there is often a delay. And again, with COVID and lockdown and people working from home, yeah, yeah. I mean, it can sometimes take four, five, six weeks. The one thing I would say is that it depends how quickly that process is started. As soon as we get the deeds, we can apply for the property certificates. And providing we get the deeds early enough acting for the seller, then we can apply for the property certificates earlier. Okay. Um, if, however, you're getting the deeds later on. The other issue is that in some cases, the seller solicitor is refusing to get the property certificates until the purchaser has indicated that they have an acceptable mortgage offer. Now right. that is something okay. which is not, they're not supposed to be doing. Um, and really 
well, they're not supposed to be doing, but as well as that, they don't often seem to give their client the choice of whether they can do that. To explain a little, property certificates essentially expire after six months. Yep, yep. And out of, all of, out of all the various outlays in a sale, um, the property certificates are the most expensive. They're about 130 quid. So a vendor solicitor basically will say um, that unless we're absolutely sure that the purchaser is going to sign a contract and complete quickly, we're not getting the property certificates. I have to be honest, my experience has been in the vast majority of cases, they do not give the seller the option. They just simply refuse and blanket refuse to do that. Um, I don't think that's I don't think that's good procedure. Um, it's certainly not acting in the client's best interests because the seller may well be happy to to spend 130 quid. And if they go out of date for some reason, you know they yeah. may be happy enough to spend another 130 quid just to make sure that everything goes a bit quicker. So as I say, if there yeah. is any sort of if there's any delay in the purchaser getting their mortgage application, then there may be a delay because the seller solicitor yeah. has refused to request property certificates. So it's not all the seller's fault, by the way. Sometimes, you know, it comes from the purchaser side. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing I would say, um, and again, I think when we sort of talked about the prep work for, for this, um, Chris, we talked about sort of things that fall apart on completion day and things that fall apart a couple of, you know, a couple of days before completion. And I think one of the issues that conveyancers generally are having yeah. is that we're not being given enough time between getting the contract and everything in place and actually setting the case up for completion. And you've said it yourself, people are, are signing the contract and then two days later trying to complete. That is really not enough time. And I know that we do try to do yeah. that because at times people are under so much pressure and to be on to be honest, we as a profession are put under so much pressure. Yeah. So especially if we've got a big chain. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of pressure on probably yeah. the person in the middle more so than anybody. Absolutely. And I, I suspect it's probably human nature. You know, you're sort of probably hoping that property certificates will come in on time. And therefore, by the time that they haven't come in a couple of days before completion, yeah. you probably realize that you should have told someone a bit sooner. Yeah. So I have, I have to say with a, with, with a degree of reluctance, um, I think there are issues where our profession can probably communicate issues better. That said, um, we are not the only ones who have to manage clients' expectations. And at times we are the ones who are left sometimes to give bad news. And, you know, sometimes um, there's a steep. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately there are times where a client will go on and prepare things and organize you and organize Sky and BT and Virgin and DFS and Curry's mm -hmm. without actually checking with us that the completion date that they want is achievable. Mm -hmm. So as I say, mm -hmm. it, it, I think everyone in the conveyancing transaction needs to communicate better. Yeah. I, I think that, that's sort of part of the process. The other thing which you'd mentioned um, about sort of things falling apart uh, at the last moment, do you want yes. to talk about that now? or? Yeah, wanna... I mean, the things have, I mean, I've got to say, we, we try and remain flexible with people, but normally people would let us know usually around about a week beforehand, which is enough time for us to get the day covered regardless of the size of the job. But, you know, when you're getting let down two to three days before, you know, our requests are coming in maybe three to four weeks in advance. So we may have turned away 
like I, I think we've turned away about 15 to 20 people for the 29th of January upcoming, which is insane. That's uh, I've never had that many requests for one date. But yeah, if things fall apart at the last minute, I know it's not always the person's fault. Um, we try to remain flexible with them as much as possible. But it, it, that's the reason that it happens then because the purchaser and the, and the mortgage application and things just haven't synced up as 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 nicely as one would imagine. There are a couple of things. I have to say, Chris, I mean, I think we as solicitors um, tend to moan and groan about sort of being at the end of the food chain because it's normally the estate agent or the mortgage advisor, depending whether it's seller or purchaser, who yeah, sort yeah. of has, has first crack at the clients. And we're sort of hoping that they will manage expectations to an extent mm-hmm. um you are absolutely bang smack at the end of the food chain there is nobody ha- lower down the food chain than you because i mean essentially your your job happens pretty much on the day of completion yeah. and you know i the risks that you must actually take in terms of turning work away where you know another one that you do actually take turns out to be the one that doesn't complete i know I mean, that just must be hell on earth for you it, it, it can't be. And you know what? If we weren't so busy, and we, like I've got to say, we, we, we are in demand at the moment, especially for Fridays. But it, it can't be tough. But we've got processes in place. But I mean, I don't think I've ever had to take a deposit off anybody for, you know, and, and actually keep it. You know, we try and remain as flexible as possible. People, obviously, it's the day before we've got things and stuff to, to, to sort out. But I'm very clear with people about that from the start. But I mean, because it, it is quite a pressurized job. And the thing that I find when, when I speak to our, our clients who, who are doing an exchange and a completion on the same day is they're not informed of that sort of two hours dead time, which normally happens between, you know, after they exchange their OKs and then they get their completion or between the exchange and the completion, there's usually like two hours of dead time there. And th- that doesn't really get explained to people by moving companies in terms of how they're pricing things. Which is, and when people are aware of it, they're a lot more prepared for it. Do you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. the The issue of of exchange is not something that actually is overly applicable to Northern Ireland. Um, in Great Britain, when they talk about exchange, they're talking about an actual exchange of contracts, which will normally happen um, very close to completion. Um, in Northern Ireland, we basically have we don't have exchange of contracts as such. We have offer and acceptance. Which, okay. normally, which normally sort of happens the week, or, well, it should at least be the week before completion, albeit sometimes it yeah. is um, on the day, but it, it really shouldn't be because you can't really, you can't really protect the parties if you're doing it too quickly. Um, in terms of the actual day of completion itself, there are a number of reasons why things don't happen as quickly as they should. The, what would the main sort of practical issue on the day of completion is what happens to actual completion monies, the actual funds, how they are transmitted. Yeah. Now, for years, um, I have been banging the drum um, that we should be completing cases by way of a check drawn on the solicitor's client account. Because Northern Ireland is small and because we all know each other, we essentially know that a check written by one solicitor to another solicitor is good. And once we have the check, then essentially we will authorize release of the keys because we know that the the check will lodge through our account. With COVID and with lockdown and with closures, essentially everyone moved to not completing by check, but instead completing by electronic payment of funds. 
And unfortunately in Northern Ireland, that is not an instantaneous um, transaction. And we, we will set up um, monies first thing on a Friday morning and they will not hit until after four o'clock on the Friday afternoon. We know that they've left our account, um, but all we know is that they have not reached the other solicitor's account, which means that everyone is sitting in vans. And honestly, by the end of the day, you know, the abuse that we have got is unbelievable. And we send the monies as quickly as we can. It's completely outside our control. And we could do an entire podcast on what is actually wrong with electronic banking and electronic payment of monies in Northern Ireland. But yeah, if, yeah. You ever ask, if, you, if you ever ask me back, we will. Um, but the difficulty is we just have no control over that. If there is a chain, then we are completely stuffed yes. because if monies are complete, if we get monies in after four o'clock, then we can't actually transmit them the same day, which yeah. means then that, well, you've got the difficult question about storing things in your lorries over the weekends um, because they're going to complete them on Monday morning instead. I've, I've, do you know what? I've only had that happen twice. Uh, and I know it happened the first time. The, uh, the solicitor in question, I don't even know who it was, but I wouldn't, it wasn't us then, no. Well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't name them anyway. No, it definitely wasn't you guys because I specifically asked her. But what happened was the solicitor, this was way back maybe May, but June, June, July time, whenever thing, you know, pubs and stuff were open uh, because the part of the story will become clear in a minute. So I had said, the girl had said, you know, we're waiting on our keys, waiting on our keys. It wasn't a huge job, but we're sitting there from, I always say the exchange happens at about 12. That's when you have to hand your old keys back, you know, so they can get released to the new person. And then usually around about two o'clock, between two and four is when you get your new keys on completion. So this girl, we're sitting there, two, three, four o'clock went by. And then all of a sudden she gave me a call. I think it was about half four. And she had mentioned that uh, the solicitor who had sorted out her her uh, completion had got her details wrong and whatever he was doing with the bank transfer and it bounced back. So then she was essentially left homeless for the weekend and tried to get in contact with him and he had left at 12 o'clock to go to the pub for the day. So she didn't complete until Monday, was hit with the extra charges. So if something like that happens, who, who's liable for those charges? Does the, does the client have to pay them or is it the solicitor or how does that, how does that work? Just out of curiosity. Um, well, I mean, ultimately, you know, a solicitor's business is like any other. If you make a mistake, then you're liable for it. Um, obviously, I know nothing about the circumstances of that. It is, I can tell you now, it is every solicitor's worst nightmare to think for even a millisecond that they may have transmitted funds to the wrong place. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, we have procedures in place where we check and double check and triple check. Um, in this particular instance, it was the name that was typed in wrong. You know, it wasn't actually the wrong account number. It was like some something to do with the name. Uh, that That's an interesting one because I know for quite a long time, it didn't actually, it didn't actually matter what name you put on the account. Um, providing you got the sort code and the account details right. Some people, some banks now are actually trying to check off the name. And again, that can be very complicated because, you know, I might go, my account might be P Armstrong or it might be Philip Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it could be Mr. Philip J Armstrong. There could be so many things it could be. And 
to be to be honest, I would have thought that if the solicitor had got the actual sort code and account details right, um, and there was maybe some sort of a discrepancy with the name, I'm bit I'm a bit disappointed that the payee bank didn't actually raise that because they can actually raise it with the intermediary bank. Um, and we, I mean, we've had some experience of this um, remitting small amounts to clients and, and having some issues sort of with, with funds because of account names not being exactly dead right. But then again, I mean, at times, Chris, we have put in the exact, and we actually asked for a copy of the client's bank statement so we can see the account name. And yeah. we have had one instance I can think of where even that wasn't accepted. Yeah. So it's maybe not quite so clear cut if it was a really technical issue like that. If you've actually got the wrong sort code or the wrong um, account number, well, then I don't think you have a lot of places to hide. But if you've actually reproduced the details on someone's official bank statement and that bank then, then hasn't accepted the payment, yeah, yeah. I, I, think that, I think that's a very difficult one to work out. Um, I think this particular client was more annoyed with the fact that he went to the pub and left his assistant that they who was actually a really nice fellow by the way, uh, but our girl, who, I can't remember who it was, but um, yeah. she, she was super, so, she was really annoyed, but she was really lovely. Uh, but obviously, you, it's probably someone's worst nightmare for that to happen. Luckily, I, yeah, I have to say, I mean, regardless of whose fault it is, as a firm, we do not rest until the client's funds are with the people that they're supposed to be with. Yeah. And as I say, we have instances where, for reasons, funds have been delayed. Um, and there's reasons for that as well, which I'm not going to go into. And as I say, no one is working harder than us to try to make sure that that is sorted out. Even when it's yeah. not our fault, um, it is. It, so, it suddenly becomes our problem. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say that that's just a horrible situation for anyone to find themselves in. Yeah. Um, and yeah... <laughs> I'm not entirely sure who's at fault. I have to say, I think the payee bank who rejected it maybe could be slightly more common mm -hmm. sense about it. Yeah, yeah. I've got to say, it's one thing, since we're dealing with a lot of these at the minute, I mean, we, we, we have contingencies in place for if people don't complete, I always tell people to prepare for late completion just in case, yeah. um, depending on you know what bank and stuff they're with. Uh, as far as I'm aware, Bank of Ireland seemed to be quite late in terms of getting, but I, I don't know, maybe you have more experience than me with that. Is that, is that true? Or We all have our blacklists in terms of which banks are easier to deal with than others. What I would say, um, if, if well, a, a, lot of, a lot of the bigger solicitor firms who do convincing happen to be with Bank of Ireland. And those, a transfer from Bank of Ireland to Bank of Ireland is instantaneous if you do it the right way. Okay. So in actual fact, you know, it can be that if something is set up at nine o'clock in the morning, the other solicitor will have funds at one minute past nine. And yeah. if the house is empty, or the property is empty, or it's a new build, you know, the client can be getting their keys first thing in the morning. Yeah. We normally ask, and again, this sort of also deals with the other bottlenecks in the process, Chris. Um, we will normally try to ask for a mortgage advance at least a day before completion so that we know that the mortgage advance is in. And if we are in full funds the day before completion, we will normally actually send the funds um, the day before completion so that yeah. when the solicitor opens up their account the next morning, they're actually in the account. Now, yeah. if it's a chain, you can't do that. Um, if And again, 
LinkedIn in particular is full of horror stories about not being able to get mortgage advances, despite the fact, you know, we ask for them in time, we've chased them every day. Mm-hmm. And frankly, but for the fact that there are a couple of business development managers of some of these lenders who are based in Northern Ireland, who have just gone so far above and beyond the call of duty to yeah. get funds released to us we would be just in an absolute horror story at the moment because at times it is so difficult um, to get funds released from lenders when we're supposed to get them released. And again, you know, they're working from home and unfortunately sometimes their call centers are just not quite au fait with how things are slightly different in Northern Ireland. But yeah. I would say the main issues with, with delays on the completion date are about monies not being where monies are supposed to be. Yeah, okay. I mean, I've got to say, most of the time it is pretty straightforward. It does go through as we expect. Um, we had a guy last week who whose funds transferred. I think it was ten past ten or something when he got he got the call. So he obviously had a lovely day, and so did we. But um, is there? I'll just ask one more question because I want to keep these episodes sort of short and sharp. And obviously, I'll definitely get you back on in terms of at a later date to, to explain a bit more. But what can people do to be as prepared as possible for, for an early completion in terms of on the day? Is there anything they can do or is it out of their control it's within the bank? In terms of on the day, there's not an awful lot people can do. Okay. Um, the, the one thing I would say is if you're, if you're ringing us 20 times in an hour to see if anything has happened, that's 20 times that we can't actually be trying to work on your case to make it happen. You know, we are very aware as solicitors that people want to complete as early as possible on the completion date. And guess what? We don't get paid either until it completes as well. So, you know, we are doing everything we possibly can to try to make sure that cases complete as early in the day as possible. Being telephoned by the client and then by the estate agent and then by the client and then by the estate agent again and again and again, actually takes us away from trying to resolve whatever the issue is. Um, and again, one of the reasons, being, and you will say this as well, people will seem to want to complete on a Friday. Whereas, you know, if you wanted to complete on a different day of the week, you may find that mortgages are actually easier to get released. You may find that more solicitors are in their office and maybe haven't gone to the pub um, yeah, yeah, yeah. By, by the lunchtime. You know, everyone. Yeah, you, you guys do. You just get blamed for everything. I've got to say, and that's kind of really why I wanted to bring you on because, I mean, we just kind of play along because we, we just you know people go out to solicitor spot and we're like yeah yeah I know I know but then don't worry just if you just if you phone them a couple of times in the morning make sure it's gone through there's, it's just a waiting game from yeah. there. But well, ultimately, really, really get blamed for a lot. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, moving house is a legal process um, because exactly. unless the solicitor does their, does their job properly um, and quickly and efficiently and professionally, then it doesn't happen and everyone has a really bad experience. But yeah. the fact of the matter is we need every single stakeholder in the moving house process to work with us and not to work against us. Yeah. And at times, just because, and especially with COVID, it's brought it into sharp relief because everyone is, is under so much pressure and personal pressure and family pressure and working from home and teaching from home pressure. Um, yes. it, it's just It just brought out the worst in people and stresses. And unfortunately, I think the, the convincing profession across the UK has sort of borne quite a bit of the brunt of that. Just on that question, can I ask you, Chris, have you had many things on the day where things have been delayed because people have been self-isolating or have tested positive for COVID? No, we, we would do, not not really. People have actually postponed their moves because of the, they need to isolate for two weeks. 
But, you know, it's one of the questions that we ask people, you know, are you experiencing symptoms of COVID? Obviously, we're usually in touch with the people 48 hour, 48 to 72 hours before to make sure everything's okay. Nine, nine times out of 10, everything is grand, but we've never had anybody cancel or anything happen last minute because of COVID. Usually it happens about a week or two before. We've had people cancel quotes and things because they've had to self-isolate. But in terms of the actual movement process, what we what we do, if people are happy enough, I mean, we 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 are providing masks for the staff and of course all all the, the, the safety equipment. Um, but if people aren't comfortable with us being in their house because it's it's almost impossible for us to adhere to social distancing because you can't carry a washing machine and be two meters apart. Do you know what I mean? Um, and some sometimes, you know, when you're lifting things downstairs, it, it, it's just impossible. So if people aren't comfortable, we just ask them. You know, if you show one team member around the house, tell them exactly what's going, but more importantly, what's staying. And then if you guys vacate the premises, go for breakfast, do whatever you want to do. And then we'll we'll just get cracking here. Because it's the, the less people in the house, the better. <laughs> yeah. Even COVID or non-COVID, you know, if people just let us work away, we'll get the job done much quicker and much more efficiently and much more safely. But no, we haven't had two too many cancellations in relation to COVID um, unless it's weeks prior to the move, which is good. Yeah, I mean, the Law Society of Northern Ireland did implement or did recommend a set of COVID special conditions, which would allow people not to walk away, but just to delay completion for a couple of weeks yeah. um, if one of the COVID events happens. And that actually included things like a national lockdown or a mortgage company closing or the solicitor's office closing, or more likely one of the parties in the chain having to self-isolate or actually getting a positive diagnosis. Yeah. Um, we've had a couple, we haven't had that many, but we have had some and we have used those coronavirus special conditions. I must say, I don't, I, I don't envy your job, Chris, actually going into people's houses um, because you really are relying on people's honestly to be able to say that they've had no symptoms. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't envy you. And you, again, you're actually, you're picking up their belongings as well. Um, not yeah. even like an estate agent or a valuer or a surveyor who is walking around and maybe not touching a lot of stuff. I mean, you by by the nature of your business are not just touching it, you're actually picking it up on your shoulders and walking out with it. I know. And it, you know, it's it's one of those things, but we're we're seen as essential by the NI direct government and the UK direct yeah. government. You know, we're seen as essential because obviously moving house, as you say, is a legal process. It's if removals companies aren't able to operate, but everybody else in the housing market is still able to operate, then it's going to leave people in very, very vulnerable positions in terms of having to get moved themselves. They could be left in, I would imagine, legal trouble if they haven't vacated their premises. So, I mean, we do, we, we try to take all the precautions possible. Um, I'm more concerned for the safety of the staff and, and the safety yeah. of the customer rather than are more concerned with the safety of the staff but obviously the safety of the customer can be quite quite easy to manage because you can just ask them to vacate the premises it's more for the staff getting if, if something was if someone was to say well, we've got covid can we still move this friday why well, would just say no but it hasn't come to that yet i'm relying on people's honesty we've got terms and conditions surrounding this which is obviously very important but um so far so good we haven't had anything that has affected us really yeah but um, that, that's good. It's interesting to know because obviously um, we have we have our own experience of how many cases have been affected. Um, but I'm just interested 
from your point of view as well, because you really are at the cool face of the process. Yeah. I've got to say, when it comes to <laughs> people haven't really asked us too much about, you know, health and safety precautions. Like once they get a completion date, I just find they don't really care. <laughs> they just want to get moved and they're like, I don't care what I don't care what COVID things you have in place for your staff. Can you move us on this date? Because we need to get out of here. And yeah. that's I mean, it's a stressful process as it is, but trying to throw in COVID and delays and kids being at home, like it's it's hard for people. So that's basically why I've got this podcast to try and help people as much as possible and give give them a bit of advice in advance. But look, Phil, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's my I'll pleasure. Definitely have you get, I don't even think I scratched the surface or what I really wanted to, but um, I really appreciate you coming on and I'll definitely be having you again soon. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Chris. No problem at all. Thank you.